0: Great, well, what a passage we have today in terms of seeing God's power to save anyone. Lydia, this businesswoman, rich, religious, this slave girl, poor and oppressed, this jailer who couldn't give two hoots about Jesus Christ, and each of them had this dramatic conversion, each of them powerfully drawn to faith in Jesus Christ. If you've been following our series in Acts so far, you'll know that generally the author Luke, he paints the narrative normally in quite broad brushstrokes and he gives us the big picture. Back in chapter two, Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the church that day. I mean, sounds wonderful. Who are these individuals exactly? We don't really know. Chapter 15, last week, the church was strengthened. Uh, People were being added daily. Again, general, big picture. Now Luke gets personal, he gets intimate, he gets very specific as we see God's power, not just to save generally, not just to save people groups, Jew and Gentiles, but to save individuals. God's power at work in the world, at work today, at work in individual lives today. I don't know if you're a regular here, a Christian here, you've ever thought to yourself, you know, I, I can't imagine that particular friend, colleague, ever becoming a Christian. They're just too antagonistic, they're just too anti, anything to do with faith or Jesus or religion. Or perhaps you've got a mate and they're just really apathetic, they just don't care. Think you're quite funny for believing this whole Jesus thing today. Where do you start with someone like that? Perhaps you've been praying for years for a close family member, tried to share the message of Jesus, but they just don't care and the older they get, just the further and further they seem away from Jesus and you're concerned for them, and you're losing hope with them? Do you have people in your life who you know need Jesus, but you think, no, it can never happen to them? Take comfort, take reassurance from this passage. God wants you to know his power at work today to save anyone. And if you're someone here looking into Christian things, great to have you here. You're really welcome. God has a message for you. He wants you to know God's power to save. Whatever your need is right now, Jesus Christ can meet it. Let's take a look, let's let's find this out. We're on 1111 of the Bibles, three things for us to see. First of all, the Lord's power to open the human heart. Okay, the Lord's power to open the human heart. This is verses 11 to 15 on page 1112. Paul and his companions, they finally arrive in Philippi. We're told in verse 12, it's a Roman colony, it's the leading city of Macedonia. They stay there several days. On the Sabbath, they go outside to find a place of prayer. They sat down, begin speaking to the women. And one of them, we're told, is a woman who's a dealer, Lydia, in purple cloth. And she was a worshiper of God. So she has a sense of God, that God is there, wanting to know him, worship him. Hasn't met Jesus Christ yet. Look at what the Lord does for her next at the end of verse 14. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message so here's Paul preaching nothing's really happening and then suddenly the Lord opens her heart so she can see who Jesus really is fully divine fully see who, what Jesus has come to do to save her to die for her and she responds by faith she gets baptized this church in Philippi starts she asks Paul and the companions to come back and stay with her the Lord opening someone's heart it's a very dramatic sudden way his power at work deep in someone's soul to draw them to faith in Jesus Christ. He did it with Lydia. He can do it with anyone today. Speaking personally, um, yeah, he, I, I can say he did, he did this with me. Um, I grew up Uh, having a sense that God was there and that God was real but never really understood Christianity or the message uh, about Jesus. At university I was encouraged by someone doing the same course as me to look into the claims of Christ and I did um, but still felt there was something missing. It wasn't really personal for me or living or alive for me. I had this mission week put on by the Christian Union so every day I was hearing about the message of Jesus in lunch times and evening times and then one evening it just felt like the lights were switched on. I mean, this is—it's unique. Everyone's story of coming to Christ—it's unique. So this is what it is for me, not necessarily for you. But I could tell you the date, February 10th, 2000. I can give you the time, around 9:30 p.m. One moment having a sense that God was there, and then the next moment, oh, this is your world, and you made me, and you made everything. One moment unsure about the claims of Jesus christ ne- you love me, and you died for me and you're calling me into relationship with you. The Lord opening my heart so I could respond to the message about Jesus. It's true for every Christian believer, even if you are someone here who can't name date or time, for you to be able to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and I'm following him, that means God has been powerfully at work in your soul, in your heart, in the depths of your being, to open you up to see, yes, This is who Jesus is, and I'm going to follow him today. You might not think you're very special, but if you trust in Jesus Christ, you are a living miracle. The power of God at work in you to draw you to faith in Jesus Christ. And look, the Lord can do this with any person at any time. Uh, I think I've shared a story of my grandma before, so some of you heard this, but let me share it again. Um, My grandma had a religious upbringing, thought she was um, good enough uh, for God, wasn't interested in hearing about Jesus from me after I'd become a Christian at university. Um, My grandma just grew old over time, um, got very frail, contracted Alzheimer's, was slipping in and out of consciousness in the final days of her life in hospital. I had an opportunity to see her, and was able to open up one of the Gospel um, stories, uh, share the message of Jesus with her, and it seemed in those final few days that the Lord just opened her heart. I said, Grandma, do you believe this? And for the first time in her life, she nodded her head and said, yes, I do. The Lord can open a heart to receive Jesus any person, any, I'm not saying that's always going to be the case with family members on the deathbed. I'm saying, do you see the Lord's power at work? Do not limit the power of God at work in the world today. He can open people's hearts as easily as you and I can open our eyes. That is the Lord we follow. So please don't give up on your friends, your colleagues, your family. Let's keep holding out the message of Jesus to them. God could open their hearts at any time. Do you know what one of my friends said to me after I, I did become a Christian at university? I think I must have been so antagonistic because beforehand because he said to me, wow, now I've seen what God can do to you. I, I'm never gonna doubt what God could do with anyone else. I didn't know if that was a compliment or an insult, but anyhow, you might have people you know in your life who think, no, wow, and that they've become Christian. Take comfort, take reassurance, opening Lydia's heart, opening your heart, opening anybody else's heart. So let's keep praying. It's the main course. We're holding out the message about Jesus, but we need to be praying for the Lord to be at work Let's keep praying for our friends and family who don't know Jesus. Let's pray the Lord would open their hearts. Let's pray each day for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Let's cry out to the one who is powerful enough to open hearts and draw people to faith in Jesus Christ. And look, if you are someone here looking into Christian things, and perhaps you do have a sense that God's real, but you're unsure. Perhaps you do find Jesus quite interesting and quite compelling, but there's something holding you back. One thing you could do is ask God to open your heart. Say, Lord, help me to see, help me to believe. I need your help with this. Make me a living miracle. God loves prayers like that. Prayers that flow from a contrite and humble heart. Ask him to draw you to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing to see, the Lord's power to open the human heart. Secondly, the Lord's power to deliver from spiritual oppression. Because in verses 16 to 18, Paul and his companions, they're heading back to this place of prayer where they met this woman, Lydia, that had a good response, they're going back a second time. But this time they meet this female slave who we're told in verse 16 has a spirit by which she predicts the future, she earns a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling, and she's following Paul around, and she's shouting after him, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved, which is a true statement. Um, but she keeps on doing this for many days, and Paul gets so annoyed with the spirit inside her it that he turns around and says, in the name of Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, we're told, End of verse 18, the spirit left her. Just like that, again, in an instant, this dramatic conversion, this dramatic turnaround, the Lord's power to deliver anyone from spiritual oppression. Let me just say a quick side comment here. We're not told explicitly that this person, the slave girl, puts her faith in Jesus Christ. We do get that before, by the way, with Lydia. She believes. Um, We'd see it afterwards in a moment with the jailer who's believed and baptized. So I think, therefore, because this incident comes in between these two, we're meant to infer that she joins the Philippian church as well. Either way, what can't be denied is the power of God to release her from spiritual oppression. Now, I say there can be no doubt in it. It could be that some of you have switched off here and just dismissed this story straight out of hand because we're talking about a spirit, an evil spirit inside her and it got sort of getting exercised out of her and you think, what, do we believe in this today? Isn't she just mentally unwell? Let me just say a few things on this. Even if it's the case that she's mentally unwell, isn't it pretty impressive the way God, Jesus Christ, heals her straight away anyway? But I don't think that this, I think what's going on here is more than a mental illness, not least because Luke, the guy writing Acts, is himself a doctor. He's very clear on the difference between mental illness and and spiritual oppression, demon possession, even though the symptoms of that can often be similar. If any of you have dabbled in the occult, if any of you are from African backgrounds, you know about witch doctors consulting spirits, you know about child child sacrifice that goes on even today, you probably have no problem believing in what's gone on with this slave girl here. And even for us in the materialistic Western culture where seeing is believing, sometimes we're trying to explain like, all the evil in the world and just some horrific stuff that happens, like with the human trafficking, and you heard about all these people dying in the truck in Texas, and we want to just try and, is, is natural explanations enough of this? It's almost like pushing beyond it, to some personal evil at work in the world underneath it all. And Jesus Christ says that that person is the devil. Jesus spoke very openly about this, that the devil is real and he's at work in the world. Jesus called him the father of lies. And one of the greatest lies the devil's got people to believe today is that he doesn't actually exist in the first place. Spiritual oppression doesn't just have to be demon possession. Spiritual oppression can be believing any lie of the devil. Lies like you're worthless. Lies like no one can love you. Lies like this life is all there is. There's no heaven, no hell, no judgment. You determine truth for your life. Your feelings determine reality. Whatever the spiritual oppression we see today in London, in Africa, wherever, Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ, is powerful enough to set us free. I was told a story just this week about someone who was caught up in in drugs and very powerfully was set free from experience with, with, with the Lord and put his faith in Jesus Christ as now being ordained into the Church of England. I know someone who was so addicted to drink and alcohol, their family, their career was, was in jeopardy. Went along to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, step one, you are powerless to beat this addiction yourself. You have to look beyond yourself to a higher power. This person received this dramatic, powerful experience, set this person free from the addiction and now she's coming along to church. Any lies of the devil that you might be believing in now, you are worthless, no one, Jesus Christ has come to die for you, he loves you, he rose for you, He is coming back for you, the truth of Jesus Christ can truly set us free from any spiritual oppression we may be facing right now. And this this is such good news, this is such good hope for ourselves and for others. Ourselves, whatever addictions we may be trapped in now, opinions of others, literal addictions, gambling, pornography, drink, drugs, whatever it is, Christ can truly set you free. Pray to him, Lord set me free. Deliver me, I need you and this gives us great hope for others. Never think that any of your friends, your colleagues, they are too far gone, they are too lost in an addiction, in the lives that they're they're living in and believing. Pray for them, say, Lord, set them free. You've set this, clave. I know you can do it. Deliver them too. Let me see your power at work today. The Lord's power to deliver from spiritual oppression. Which leads us thirdly and finally to the Lord's power to ordain anyone to hear about Jesus. That's a little bit clunky. What do I mean by that? Um, I want us to see just the lengths that God goes to in this passage to bring the jailer to hear the message about Jesus. Okay, so let's just do a quick recap because this starts all the way back in verse six. When When this passage starts in verse six, Paul and his companions think, let's go to Asia. That's a huge continent. People need to hear about Jesus over there. The spirit goes, no. All right, let's try Bithynia. No. Then Paul gets this vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over here to help us. So off they go to Philippi, which is in Macedonia. Do they meet a man? No, they meet a woman, Lydia. All right, God opens her heart. Great news. She's responded to the message about Jesus. Let's go back there the next day. They meet a slave girl. Really annoying Paul. By the way, Paul's not Jesus, right? Jesus is sinless. Paul does sin. I think Paul's really annoyed here, right? Just drives the spirit out of this woman, this slave girl. And then the people realize they've lost their money, so they get really annoyed with Paul and throw him in prison. What happens next? God sends an earthquake. The prison doors fly open. The jailer's now really worried because he's meant to guard the prisoners and he, at pain of death. He thinks they've all left, so he thinks he's going to die. He's going to kill himself. Paul goes, no, hang on, we're still here, singing heart hymns and songs, even though they've been put in stocks. And so the jailer falls on his knees, bewildered and trembling, going, what must I do to be saved? and Paul shares the message of Jesus with this individual jailer. (laughs) It's just the chain of events. Such as this one person, this one individual, gets to hear the message about Jesus, have his life changed for eternity. Do you realize the lengths that God has gone to for you, personally, individually, to hear the message about Jesus? You're here for the first time, you're hearing this message for the first time, God has ordained it brought you to London work, study God's ordained it do you you hear through Inspire English Did you Google us online As a friend invited you along today God wants you to hear the message about his son you individually specifically those of us who are regulars here perhaps we've forgotten just the joy of being a Christian the joy of what the Lord's done the chain of events in your life did you grow up in a Christian home with a mum or dad that nurtured you in the Christian faith prayed for you modeled Jesus to you you a friend at university just happened to be in the same course as you was a Christian, shared the message of Jesus with you? Was it work that brought you here to London, to this church? God has ordained it for you to hear the message about Jesus Christ. I think most of us know doctrinally that Jesus Christ has come for everyone. But do we know experientially just how personal? specific, intimate, that is, that God wants you to hear, you to respond, and you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what is this message? Let's make sure we're all clear on this because people get this wrong today and Christians can often forget it. What must I do to be saved, the jailer says. How does Paul respond? "What What must you do to be saved? Does he say try harder? Does he say be more moral? Does he say be like Jesus? You can shake your head if you're still awake. (laughs) Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That is it. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will receive the forgiveness of sins because he has paid for your sin on the cross and your past is completely dealt with. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to a future that can never be taken from you. Jesus Christ has done it all. He has lived the life we fail to live. He's died the death, the sacrificial death we deserve. And we just come to him as we are. Confess our sin. believe in him you will be saved. I'm told it's roughly 100 people in the chain between Jesus back then and us today hearing about the message. So, a chain of 100 people passing the message of Jesus on from one to what well, should be that way, shouldn't it, for you? Da, 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 like that. And here we are, and you are now the next link in the chain. You have that special role. So who is it that the Lord has in your life? A neighbor you live next to? Colleague you work with? A friend you bumped into? Stranger you met on the bus to achieve on the way. Who is it that the Lord wants you to share the message of Jesus with in the week ahead? Let's be sensitive to the role of the Holy Spirit. No, no, yes, okay. Might not be an earthquake this week, but who knows? Might be some opposition, might be some difficulty. Nothing's gone wrong. Look how God was working out here for the jailer. Let's be bold in who we're showing the message. Sometimes we think, oh, not them. Well, I'll try that. No, try anyone. The Lord can open a heart just like that, can set free anyone from spiritual oppression. So let's be going out there, praying, 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 bold, sharing, sharing. God's power at work today to save anyone. Let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for this part of Acts, these wonderful little three vignettes, these little conversion stories of Lydia, the slave girl, the jailer, such different people, such different backgrounds, but you powerfully at work in each of them, drawing them to faith in Jesus Christ. We know you can open any human heart. You've done it for us if we're trusting in Jesus. So please reassure us of that reality, the wonder of what you've done for us, and the call you give us to keep praying. And for those that don't know Jesus, to keep sharing the message with Jesus so they can know his forgiveness, know the meaning of life, which is relationship with him. And please send us out as a church to do that in the week ahead. To your glory. Amen.